The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports, the where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Yes, yes, why don't we get started? My name is Mario Vitanzi. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Of course, we do this show over Skype. I think there might be something wrong with Nick's internet connection because we had him just a second ago. But don't worry, we will take you through until we can hopefully get Nick back. And if not, then you are going to be riding shotgun with me, Mario Vitanzi. Uh, before we get started, make sure you go follow Nick and I on Twitter. You can find Nick at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. You can find me at Mile High Mario uh, right here in the Mile High City. So uh, let's get a little bit into the St. Louis uh, Rams at the Arizona Cardinals, of course, want to call them the St. Louis Cardinals. And I guess that's what you get when these two teams meet up. Uh, but this is a very pivotal game for the Arizona Cardinals. As of now, they are in first place, not only in that division, but in the NFC. Of course, uh, they've cooled off of recently, and everybody is all on the Seattle Seahawks bandwagon because they have, in fact, been playing very well. But for whatever reason... The Cardinals cannot garner any sort of respect. I mean, they got very little respect last year when they were the hottest team going out last season, and they picked up right where they left off at the beginning of this season, and that's why they are still the number one seed in the NFC. But despite that, despite having the NFC's best record, maybe not being the hottest team, but still a very good team, no one is really giving them any sort of chance to make any noise. I mean, you're talking about a team that went to Kansas City last week, and I'm sorry, that Kansas City, they hosted the Kansas City Chiefs, who were reeling. I will give you that. The Chiefs were on the down and down. You lose Eric Berry. It's a very sad situation. Uh, and I know it's hard to look at it purely from a football aspect. But when you lose a player like that, it's so difficult to recover from. And then you add in the fact that, you know, the team is obviously distracted by what's going on with Eric. And, of course, you uh, wish him nothing but the best and our thoughts and prayers out to Eric and his friends and family and hope that he makes a speedy recovery. But this is a Chiefs team that is still very good and a Chiefs team that really is not supposed to lose three games with or without you Barry. Know, you know, you're absolutely right. They're not supposed to lose, uh, you know, the games at the way that they're losing. But once again, you go back to something that's been said 
uh, ever since Alex Smith was at San Francisco, is he just a game manager? But I think what we're seeing here, and I think every team goes through this, and Broncos went through this early in the season where they were beating teams that were deficient and they were injured on both sides of the ball. When, when you're not at full strength and you have injuries on either side of the ball, it makes it really difficult to win ball games. And, you know, there's a game that's going to take place uh, between the Cincinnati Bengals and uh, the Cleveland Browns. And there was a lot of hoopla this past week about Brian Hoyer, should he be removed from the starting position? And, and this is what I had to say about it. I say, listen, taking that same idea is that, well, what kind of players is it that Brian Hoyer has around him? Yes, he has his faults, Mario. Don't get me wrong. He can be better in his mechanics, but I went back and watched that Colts game, and there were opportunities for the Browns to make plays, but the offensive line didn't do their job. The running right. backs didn't pick up the blitz that allowed him to step up there in the pocket. So how much blame can you put on Hoyer, but now Johnny Manziel is about to take over, so now I guess that's just water under the bridge. Well, Nick, when you throw zero touchdowns to seven interceptions, you can blame the offensive line, you can blame the offensive coordinator, you can blame this, you can blame that, you can blame whatever in the world you want, man, but bottom line, you're throwing seven interceptions and you throw zero touchdowns. So any way you slice it, a change has to be made. I mean, Johnny Manziel was drafted for a reason. Don't I mean, people are out there thinking, oh, the Browns didn't know what they had with Hoyer. Yeah, they did. The Browns were a very good team last season before Hoyer got hurt. So they knew what they had in Hoyer. They knew that he could win football games. And that's what he's done. It almost seems like teams have, I'm sorry, the Browns have beaten teams despite him. Well, even though they've done that, Mario, I, I still think that I wouldn't have made this move just yet, uh, especially when you watch all the games the Browns have played and knowing as though it's just not Brian Horry himself has led to the demise of the Cleveland Browns. Yes, it's exciting to see Johnny Manziel. That's what he was drafted for. But you're still in the playoff hunt. What happens if this kid, Johnny Football, comes in and he does not light up the stadium or light up the, the defense, opposing defense, like everyone expects him to do. But, but Hoy- Hoyer's not, not lighting anything either, game. though, Nick. Hoyer's not even a glimmering candle. Well, you know what? We, we will see. You know, they're going to put all, the, all these doubts and anticipation, all these things are going to be laid to rest because he's going to get the opportunity to lace them up against a division rival. And that division is definitely heating up. If you want to talk about two different divisions that are polar opposite, you look at the NFC South uh, and you look at the AFC North. One is on the downside. A team is going to get in with, you know, under 500 and, and, and be, get into the playoffs. And another team or three other teams are going to be 8-5 and five as they try to ballot out for the last two games to see who, one, gets the wild card, and two, for one, who actually wins that division. Uh, right now, uh, speaking of someone who's played in the league and who knows about football, uh, George Withers, he's on the Beast 980 in Los Angeles. He's a former Oregon Duck. So who better to ask this question uh, about the Heisman Trophy and the possibilities of Marcus Mariota, Oregon Ducks, winning a B, uh, not a BCS. I'm still thinking BCS title here. See, I still haven't gotten with the flow of things. But let's see what uh, George has to say about Marcus Mariota and his Oregon Ducks. George, thank you for joining the program. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me, Nick. All right, George. When I look at this Heisman race, and it's the 80th Heisman uh, Trophy presentation that's going to take place Saturday in New York, usually they invite four people to the presentation. This year, they've only invited three. 
Marcus Mariota, who you're familiar with, Amari Cooper from Alabama, and Melvin Gordon. Now, we've seen some wild things to happen in college football. Is it possible? Because all the hoopla surrounding them and this program and SEC being titled the best conference in college football, is it possible for Amari Cooper to jump over Marcus Mariota on Saturday and take home that coveted trophy? Well, anything is possible, but but I will tell tell you this: this year, for this year, the 2014 season, the Pac-12 was the strongest conference in the nation this year. When you when you when you look at it from top to bottom, and I, I would be surprised, and so would everybody else, if Marcus Mariota didn't win it. I mean, the the, the kid is he's leading the nation in in um, in passer rating. He's completing passes, and he's only thrown uh, three interceptions on the entire season. That's very difficult to to uh, do in a running threat, a passing threat, and he's become a great leader, and he's a stand-up guy on and off the field. So in, in a day and age to where people are, are not only judging athletes on their – on their on the field prowess, but what they do off the field as well, you know, he's the the, the perfect choice this year. Albeit, uh, Amari Cooper and Melvin Gordon are having good years. See, George, I think you said it all right there. They had Jameis Winston. You know, they selected him to win the Heisman last year, and there was a little bit of debate surrounding it. But really, the difference between the Heisman and the Player of the Year award, in my opinion, is it has to be an outstanding, upstanding student. A student athlete, and I think Mariota is that much more so than Jameis Winston was last year. Of course, last year, not as much notoriety, especially negative notoriety surrounding Winston, but you know that the Heisman Committee really wants to get it right this time, in their opinion, because, you know, Winston kind of gave it a bad name. They don't want athletes like this to have the Heisman under their name. I think they find it a little bit disrespectful when they act the way that uh, Jameis Winston has. Plus, you go back, the last time that a non-quarterback won the Heisman Trophy was in 2009 in Mark Ingram. So, obviously, as you said, it's it's a possibility, but really, Mariota has done absolutely nothing to warrant not winning the award. Oh, for sure. Uh, well, it, uh, less, less than not winning it. He's done everything to seize it, and he's been the most consistent player. Right. And when and when and when you look at the history of the Heisman Trophy, especially the the uh, recent history, it it has turned into basically a quarterback award on one of the best teams in the country because we we we've seen with the way that Heisman Trophy winners have come in and played in the NFL that it doesn't necessarily go to a guy that is that is necessarily a, the, the the most pro ready and Jameis Winston. This year, I don't think it had anything to do with his off-the-field stuff, why he's not in the Heisman race. It's just his numbers. Last year, he threw... Oh, yeah, he's not good enough to be in the talk for the Heisman this year. Yeah, last year, he threw 40 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And this year, coming into their championship game, he was at, like, 21 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. That's he, not didn't he throw... Was it was four or five that he threw against Florida? Yeah, uh, it was four. He he threw four against Florida. Threw four. I'm uh, sorry. Threw three against Louisville, which should have been probably five if Louisville c- could catch right. the ball. You know, it, it. But at the same time, he has found a way to come through in the clutch moments and and in that fourth quarter when when his team needs it. But but I've said it over and over again. Florida State has has had nine lives, and when and in no sports, when you keep teetering 
on the uh, edge, when you keep running right up to the <laughs> when you keep running right up to the ledge, there eventually either the ball is not going to bounce your way, or one of those interceptions is not going to come in the first quarter. It's going to come in the fourth quarter. A ball is going to get tipped, or somebody's going to drop a ball, and something is not going to go your your way. So if Florida State continues to have those those teetering on the edge and playing bad football with turnovers, they are going to get not only beat, but they'll get housed by Oregon if that's what shows up. If you just joined us, you're talking to George Reister, uh, played in the NFL and uh, Oregon Duck alum. George, before we get you out of here, good question for you. If Marcus Mariota hasn't declared for the NFL draft, if he were to declare for the NFL draft, how is it going to affect the Oregon program really quickly? Well, I mean, it, it's always hard to, to, to lose the guy who is who is going to be arguably your your greatest quarterback ever? I mean, there there have been some good quarterbacks that come through there with with um, with Joey Harrington, AJ Feely, Achille Smith. Even though he didn't do that great in the league, and Dan Fouts, who's a who's a Hall of Famer in the NFL. But but Marcus Mariota is going to be Oregon's beloved duck, their most favorite of all time, and and of course it hurts to lose a guy. Like uh, that, but that's where recruiting comes in. And then there's a special caveat. There is some stuff floating out, floating out there that you may not know. There's a guy at, at at Ohio State that didn't play this year that you could potentially see in the Oregon jersey next year, but you didn't hear from me. That's right. Breaking news: You didn't hear from me. You didn't hear from George, <laughs> but it's out there in the atmosphere. George, thank you for joining the program, and I'm hoping that Marcus takes home that most coveted. College Quarterback Award. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit of TCU football and how are the TCU Horn Frog people actually feeling about being snubbed out of the top four. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You know, Mario, that was some good stuff from George Reister talking about Marcus Mariota, but here's what I have to say. You know, e- even though he should be the front runner, is the front runner for winning the Heisman, there are several quarterbacks that are ahead of him, and there are other coveted awards that will be given out tonight in traditional fashion before the Heisman Trophy. They give out all the awards for the best college athletes and performers of uh, the season, but the award that goes to the best quarterback is the Danny O'Brien Award. So I'll ask you real quick before we get Andy on, on the horn. Do you think that Marcus will win the Heisman and not the Danny O'Brien Award tonight? Um, no, I don't. Here's why, Nick. Honestly, I think they invited three people to the Heisman because there's really no one else that you could consider that deserves the Heisman. And typically there will be, you know, two, three, sometimes even four quarterbacks that, you know, will be in that realm, you know, will deserve at least a call or some uh, some notoriety. But that's not what we're seeing this year. I think the only person that might warrant a little bit of consideration was Trayvon Boykin uh, for TCU. But the fact that he wasn't even invited to the Heisman, uh, the Heisman presentation, Nick, I would be shocked if it was someone other than Marcus Mariota. Uh, just bottom line, I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said. Well, you know, like, like we talked with George, I mean, strangest things have been known to happen, and I know that there's a lot of hoopla, uh, media attention swirling around that, that, that program that's coached by Nick Saban and plays in the SEC. Oh, you might have heard of him. Alabama Crimson Tide. So don't be surprised if something drastically happened and Amari Cooper somehow finds his way walking across that stage, giving that speech. Thank you. I would like to thank my coach, Nick Saban, my teammates for making this possible. Don't be surprised. Not saying that it would happen. Uh, I, w- I would be, be surprised, surprised, though, Nick. I think, I mean, the way that this season has gone, I think that would be a travesty. And here's why. The way that I judge the Heisman Trophy, at least in my eyes, and it's not like I have a vote or anything, but the way I judge it is how good would this team be if it wasn't for that player? The Alabama Crimson Tide, okay, Amari Cooper has had a fantastic season, by far the best season in the NCAA for a wide receiver. But the way that this Alabama team is coached, the way that they're set up talent-wise, he's not... You know, it wouldn't be a huge detriment if, if they lost him. I mean, would they miss him? Of course. He's one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the nation. But could they still win without him? Yeah, of course. You look at this Oregon team and the level that Marcus Mariota has taken them to. What's different about this Oregon team compared to teams from Oregon in the past, Nick, they don't have the one big weapon. You know, it was either LaMichael James or Kenyon Barner, DeAnthony Thomas, or Josh Huff last year. There was always the one guy, Nick, that they would focus their offense around. And then if you shut him down as a defense, then it would Basically, you would be shutting down the Oregon uh, offense as a whole. Now, they have 
a first guy, a second guy, a third guy, a fourth guy. So if you shut down the first two or three guys, Marcus Mariota can still hurt you with, you know, a, a Byron Marshall. So it's well, just the, the, the success, the success of this team is predicated on Marcus Mariota. He is the, he is the straw that stirs the drink. And as far as Melvin Gordon, you can make the same case. And I think if Wisconsin had shown a little bit better, uh, in the Big Ten championship game and, you know, maybe was a little bit, uh, higher up in the rankings, Gordon would probably get a little bit more attention. Probably would, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm, I have someone on the line right now who's close to TCU, and we're going to get his take on why is it that Trevon Boykin was not invited to the Heisman. Welcome in, Andy Burrell, NBC2 sports analyst. He covers everything in South Florida football and sports-wise, and he's a former TCU Horn Frog safety. Andy, thank you for joining us. Nick, thanks for having me in, buddy. Happy to be here. Okay, and we had George on. He made his, his, his kind of uh, pitch for Marcus Mariota. Now, usually, traditionally, you know, there's four people that sit in those front four seats, even though the, only one person is going to win. So this year, there's only three people. Why was, was Trevon Boykin not sitting there invited to New York? I don't know. I, and that's the thing. I don't know because the guy put up huge numbers all year long. They win 11 games. They come back from a 4-8 and eight season. He wasn't even toted to be the starting quarterback when he came in. That's why they brought in a guy like Matt Jokel from Texas A&M who had had experience covering for Manzo in the SEC. And, uh, you know, Blinken was a, you know, he's a receiver. He's a hybrid. He's not a quarterback. That's what everyone said. And then all he's done all year is lit it up. I believe he's got seven interceptions on the season, uh, 30 plus total touchdowns, uh, broke Andy Dalton's record, who is the red Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) He broke his record for most touchdown passes in a season. Still yet, uh, he's 14 total touchdowns behind Mariota. Uh, Mariota's got two picks on the year. He's got seven. I get that. The numbers are different, but you've got to take the kid to New York City. He's, he's proved his own. He's been one of the most explosive players uh, the entire season. And, and what he's been able to do as far as a, uh, an eye-catching perspective, he's been huge. I mean, he's got the backflip into the end zone against Kansas State. He's got the touchdown catch this last weekend against Iowa State. He's done it all. He's proven that he's worth it. But you know what? It, it, for him, it, it's it's more good for him. It's more drive for him because they're going to invite him next year. I guarantee you that as long as he continues to stay the course and keep his head on his shoulders correctly. Andy, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. I mean, it's, it's spot on. It gets back to what I was saying. How important has Boykin been for this TCU team? I mean, if you were to replace him with someone else, would TCU be in the position that they're in? And, you know, the short, quick answer is no. There's there's no way. Right. Trayvon has been so incredible for this team. I mean, he's really been a spark plug. And, you know, what were the expectations coming from him? Like you said, he was a hybrid. He's not supposed to be able to throw the ball, yet he's doing very well. I mean, Mariota's numbers kind of skew the curve, but only seven picks all year in a high-powered offense. I mean, that's nothing to that's nothing to bat an eye about, especially oh, since yeah, he's no. not a quarterback it, by trade. No, and so, no doubt. They, they throw it around. Yeah, the guy, you know, like I said, they brought in uh, Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie and transformed the offense. Uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a run game option attack the last decade uh, going back to LT. 
in the days of uh, Mike Schultz and those things. And then they bring in these two guys, Coach P, you know, who's a defensive mastermind. There's no doubt about it. He's a mad scientist. But he finally converted to the to the spread attack that it, that is the football game that we play these days. And uh, and it's worked out well for him. They're putting up big points. If you just join us, we're joined by Andy Burrow. Uh, you can find him at Andy B. Real. Covers everything in South Florida sports-wise. You know what? When, when I look at... Uh, what took place this past Sunday, and I think everyone was highly <laughs> anticipating what was going to happen. And I have to ask you as a TCU guy, because for me, it frustrated me. How can you have TCU ranked number three in the country right. one week, and then the next week, Ohio State beats Wisconsin, and you say, well, the body of work for Ohio State was better than the body of work for TCU and TCU Horn Frogs after all the work that they put in found themselves on the outside looking in. Uh, what, what, what did you think when this decision was made? Well, I felt like, you know, I was chasing the pretty girl, and she thought I was bad, and then all of a sudden she told me she had a man, and I couldn't do anything about it, man, because it was like, <laughs> I, had been, it was like I had been led on, Nick. And, you know, the thing is, is like, like you said, you know, you put them at three. If the head-to-head matters so much, then why the heck are we putting Baylor in front of them in, in, you know, seven weeks after we lost to them, okay? And then you look at the numbers as far as what DC was able to do, beating, you know, more Power Five conferences by a bigger margin of, of victory than anyone else in the country. It was, you know, it was just, it, it just didn't make sense. But then when you look at it, look, look at the four, guys. You look at the top four. We got a team from the East. We got a team from the West. We got a team from the Midwest, and we got a team from the South. It's the same dang thing we've been doing the last decade with this computer system. And, and, you know, you bring in all these people. I feel like the committee, and, you know, I don't know what's going on there. I know we'd all like to be in there, be a fly on the wall in there. But you look at the committee, and I feel like they were backed up against a wall. And when they had to make that final decision, they said, man, we cannot leave Ohio State out of here. It's just too big of a powerhouse. We're going to hear it from everybody. They got 60,000 kids there. TCU has nine, 10,000 kids. It's a <laughs> private school. So, I mean, I just felt like they were backed up. They had to make a decision. So they went with the four top dogs that, that is going to bring in. Look, guys, you see, you see Joe Blow in Montana. He's a Cowboys fan for no reason. Well, the same Joe Blow in Montana is an Ohio State fan with no affiliation to the university or whatever. You don't find that with TCU. And look, money talks, baby. And that's what this thing was about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because the first thing I put on Twitter was put the money in the bag because that's just what it was, a big money grab. But I have to ask you a question because I know you cover everything Florida. Uh, This weekend, the U Part 2 will take place. And yeah, I'm here right about, now, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, talking about the young, younger generation uh, of the U. Now, in your opinion, who would you say was the greatest University of Miami head coach? Wow. Yeah. You know, well, Josh. I, I, you know, I've got to go with Jimmy, man. Jimmy's my guy. I mean, I was an 80s baby. I grew up in 86. <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's still the truth to me. I mean, not even... I'm not even looking at Coker and all these things. I mean, Coker brought in some great people, but what Jimmy did to put that on the map and be such a loud uh, voice, uh, personality, personality inspiration, and what he did, and then as far as going forward with the Cowboys and everything, I think Jimmy's the guy. I mean, I, I understand, you know, they did some great things after that, but what Jimmy did it personifies what like every football coach wants to be. Uh, he's, he's a player's coach, but at the same time, he's a dog. 
And that, that's what everybody wants to be a part of. Nick, you can relate with that. I mean, if you look back on some of the best coaches you ever played for, I mean, who are your guys? The ones that stood by you, got in your butt, told you what was right and what was wrong, but they were by your side as well. And you felt like you could go to war for them. I feel like that's what Jimmy Johnson was as well. Yeah, he you brought know, the Jimmy, swagger too. Yeah, Jimmy was definitely, uh, you know, that, that guy. And I remember growing up in Miami – and everything was orange and green, and every kid wanted to go to University of Miami. And Mario wow. just mentioned, he talked about the, the swagger. We even still see it today here, Andy. When you look at it from a college game to high school game, at the fourth quarter, what do we normally see? Everyone raising the four fingers. But, 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 but more importantly, when we watch the NFL, we see it as well. As many players as the University of Miami, they're you has put in the NFL, but here, more importantly, when they get they go to those single shots with the players and they say, well, what university you went to? The U. Or it's yeah. uh, the Ohio State. So, so much so, Andy, that everyone is starting to get in, into the act. I've even heard someone say D Memphis State. You can't put D in front of Memphis State. Uh, they still call it that? Come on. <laughs> v Memphis State. I know. It, it's interesting. But that's that's exactly what I'm getting at with Jimmy. I mean, he started all of that, and then the players owned it. It's it's its own breed. It's its own culture. It's it's completely off the grid. It's it's one of a kind. That's why the NCAA needs so badly for a team like Miami, a university, a program like Miami, to come back. And they showed sparks of that this year in the in the. In the Kaka kid or whatever his face is, he's pretty dang good. He, he he does a good job, but they're bringing that back. It's hard. I mean, they almost, you know, face the death penalty pretty much for, for these days. They don't really give that out, but, you know, they got about as close as they could to, to losing uh, just about everything, and, and they're battling back, and it's going to be good for college football. It's going to be good for America when the you, the real you, does come back. It's all about the you. It is all about the you, and the Oregon – Florida State, who wins this game and why? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think Alabama takes it. Are you talking about Alabama, Florida State? No, uh, or, Oregon and Florida State. I mean, yeah, Florida, Florida, Florida. okay, yeah, or, Oregon and Florida State. I, I like Oregon. I mean, but you can't, you can't put – I know they're like 10-point 10, 10 dogs, 9.5-point dogs, Florida State is. But the thing is, is you can't – I like Oregon, but I just I don't want to put money on this thing. I would never do that because, first of all, I stink at gambling. But number two, Florida State, I don't care if we win by two, we win by one, we come back in the fourth quarter, they found a way to do it week in and week out. They've won 30 games in a row, Nick. I mean, come on. Find a way to get a dub. They've got long, skilled athletes in the secondary. I mean, these guys are, you know, very athletic, and they'll be able to keep up with those wide receivers and that that quick attack of Oregon. Uh, but you gotta you gotta put a can on Mariota. I mean, this is a guy that's this guy's done unbelievable things all year long. He can do it with his legs. He's got a hose of an arm. I think he's got a underappreciated skill set as a passer. And uh, I, I like Oregon, but you know, you can't you can't you know put it past the Florida State. They've done it for two years now consistently winning ball games and they've got a guy like Jameis Winston who I believe on the field as a skill set has uh, the most potential to be a an unbelievable quarterback in the NFL well you know I'm looking for an exciting game January 1st uh, here in Pasadena California at the Rose Bowl Oregon and Florida State will face off Andy thank you for joining us I encourage you no I implore you to follow Andy on Twitter at Andy 
be real. Sports analyst knows everything Florida wise is football. Andy, once again, thanks for joining the program. Nick, thanks so much for having me. Let's do it again. I appreciate it. Mar- Mario. Right, good stuff. We, we we get Gorgon Ducks on one side, then we get the perspective of uh, the TCU Horned Frogs with Andy uh, right there. What, what, this is what I think about uh, what, what's going to happen. I like Florida State, and maybe that's a little of my ACC loyalty or bias or whatever, but I think it would be great for the ACC and college football if Florida State – can beat Oregon, and then now they face off against Alabama. That would be great. I would love to see that. I don't know about you, but I would love to see that. But why not the Pac-12, though, Nick? I mean, how are the Pac-12 and the ACC so different? I know you're an ACC guy, but you got to look at the big picture, bro. Who gives the best chance to beat Alabama? It's not Florida State, man. It's Oregon. So if you want to see the SEC unseated for the second straight year, it's got to be Oregon because Ohio State's not going to do it and Florida State's not going to do it. So if you want to take or if you want to keep that elusive championship away from the SEC, Nick, it's Oregon or bust. Well, I want to tell you what, you know, when the game is January 1st and we're here in December 11th, you know, listen, I, I could change my mind. I could, I could be influenced by watching more film on this Oregon team. So, so. Stranger things have been known to happen. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about talk to a person that we've had on the show uh, several times. Oceanport, New Jersey, councilman Joseph Eries. He wanted to weigh in on the Eric Garner situation. And what better place to do it? Secondary perspective. You don't want to miss his perspective. That's coming up on the opposite side of this break. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. 
to get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, Ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, I guess it goes from the ridiculous to the outrageous. Uh, of course, uh, the events that took place in Staten Island enraged not just the people in the neighboring area, but I think nationwide. And I put this out on Twitter, and we discussed it last week, Mario, and the replies that we received back, uh, it, it's just astounding. But uh, my next guest, Oceanport, New Jersey councilman, Joseph Eries, wanted to chime in on it, but we were not able to get him in last week. But I want to hear what he has to say. But more importantly, let's talk to him to hear about the solution. Joseph, welcome to the program again. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, Nick? I am doing wonderful. Now, I mean, you're in Oceanport, New Jersey. This happened in Staten Island. Uh, and I know it's whether Staten Island, New Jersey is still close to you. Talk exactly. about about a half hour away. Yeah, talk, talk about the, the solutions that, you, that, that we talked about briefly that you think that can diffuse these situations between the police officers and not black and white because most people are making it in the media that it's a black and white issue, but I think it's more to it. But let, let's talk about your solutions. Yeah, I, I think you just hit a couple of things on the nose. I, I, I don't believe it's a black and white issue. I think it's a... Uh, it's, it's an inherent issue, and, and I just, um, the solutions are, are, are there, but the solutions have to come from the home and have to come from the families and have to come from the people. I mean, it, it's, the way, uh, it's the way you're raised. It's the way you're brought up. It's the way society is, and, and things have to change on a whole perspective on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, in New York, and I, and I live in New Jersey, um, and I, tell a quick story. My, my father grew up in the Bronx, New York, was 18 years old, only was in the Bronx, New York. Now you're going back to the fifties. They asked him to go play. He signed a minor league baseball contract to go play for the New York giants at the time before they moved to San Francisco out in Selma, Alabama in the fifties. So you, you hear you take a kid out of the Bronx. who's never been anywhere but the Bronx and you ship him to Selma, Alabama in the middle of segregation. And it's, different world it's different you, you can't it's different water fountains different restaurants and my father said he's something he's never ever seen before in new york and and was shocked when he went down there and i guess it's it's the values you're raised with and the values your neighborhood are i, I don't see it these black white things i mean and we we have to get past this as a nation it's 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 too long it's it's been happening too long and, and i think i hate to be a conspiracy theorist but somewhere along the line there's somebody's got to be if you keep people separated, maybe they don't know what's going on with everything else. I, I don't know. I, I, I just, it, it's, it's very, it's sickening to me, I guess, because I don't see people in terms of color. You, you judge the people based on their actions, white, black, yellow. It, does it matter, Nick? Am I missing something? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't make a difference because at the end of the day, uh, you cut us open. We, we, we all bleed the same. We are people. And, and I think, we have, as people, we have to start making sure that change actually takes place. And then that's a great thing I love when you see the coverage in Boston, when you see the coverage in New York. It's just not uh, black teens or black individuals looting and robbing. No. It's, it's more of kind of a structured, peaceful uh, protest 
but but you see other diversities mixing it. There's some other faces, some other white faces in, in, in that crowd, which, which leads me to believe that people are starting to finally wake up and look at this situation a little differently than just being black and white, because all it is is that they just have to change the face and the ethnic background of the people who are being targeted. And I think there is a different set of laws for that of us of Americans and that of the police department. I know Ocean Port, New Jersey is where you are. And we're talking to Joseph E. Reese, councilman of Ocean Port, New Jersey. How do you guys normally deal with issues similar to this in your particular area? Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Ocean Port's a very small town, as we've discussed in the past. I, was, I am uh, the chairman of the Public Safety Committee, so the police, for lack of a better term, fall under my council on the liaison to the police department. Although, the way, the way New Jersey police are uh, situated, even though it's part of Ocean Port, we control their budget, the police chief does not report to the borough council. The police chief actually reports to uh, the Monmouth County prosecutor, so there is a separation. So... I'm not the guy coming in and dictating to the police how to do their day-to-day operations. I don't know how I would want to. But we have never, ever come up with situations. I mean, we have a small police force. We have a 14, a 14 I say 14-man department. One, one is a woman. We have one African-American male. And, again, we, we're hiring. We hired the best person available. And we have never run into issues where it, it's, it's become a skin color thing. And, and, I, and that's, I guess... I guess maybe it's our area versus the city area. I, I don't know. Maybe that makes it a little bit different. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, hey, listen, in any profession, you know, police, you know, I'm a, uh, my real job, uh, managing money and working on Wall Street, your job on and, and, and football and, and now on, on, uh, as a member of the media. I mean, you know, there's, there's been a couple of incidents in the NFL with, with uh, you know, spousal, spousal abuse. I mean, 99% of the football players are law-abiding citizens, and they're judged on the 1% that aren't law-abiding citizens, and everybody's forced to defend themselves. And I think it's the same thing with the police, and it's the same thing with people on Wall Street. When you see, you know, the economy collapses, everybody thinks Wall Street did something. Well, maybe it was 1% of the people on, on the street that were bad, and 99% are good. It, it's, it's, very, it's, it's a very touchy situation, and, and unfortunately, it, it paints everybody with the same brush, and I think that's what we need to start moving away from. Not all police are bad, not all football players are, are spousal abusers, not all Wall Street guys collapse the economy. It's, it's, you know, the all thing is, is where we get to trouble. You're absolutely right. And, and one thing that I always point out, and, and I'm going to talk about on the program right now, if you haven't, I employ everyone to go out right now. If you're in a computer, you're in a cubicle, and you listen to the program, youthforhumanrights.org. And, and this book or online, you will see all the human rights that most people have for some reason forgotten about or we don't really talk about it in school and everyday uh, conversation. But uh, check this out. And, and number two, it says, don't discriminate. These rights belong to everybody, whatever right. our differences. And that once is, again, that's, a, that's 100% accurate. I mean, it's, again, the younger generation now is where, you know, our generation has had its chance. We're, we're on the other end of that. Now it's time for the people that are in college now and are just graduating college and are in high school that are going to have to take this bull by the horns and, and, and are going to have to move this country in a direction where everybody is treated the same, male, female, black, white, yellow, red, wherever you're from. I mean, this is, you know, remember after 9-11, how the country came together? Nobody looked exactly. at anybody based on the skin. We were all Americans, you know. 
why are we not all Americans now? I mean, everybody, you know, everybody came here with the same opportunity, the same chances. I mean, my parents, my grandparents grew up in a, an Italian-American neighborhood in the Bronx. My father came from that. They've always raised us that everybody is equal. And, that, and, and you know, that's where we have to go. And, and that's where this next generation has to be the leadership, to take the leadership role. They're in colleges now. They're, they're the ones who are going to be the next generation's leaders in this country. And, and they've got to unite people rather than divide people. There's no... There's no upside in dividing people. It just it doesn't do anything for anybody. It really doesn't. Well, and Nick and I completely agree, which is why our lead-in song for this show is Ebony and Ivory. Why, why, <laughs> why can we not live in peace and harmony? That's right. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's frustrating because I have two kids in college right now, and I see what the, you know, what the world's like, and I, and I often wonder how it's going to be for them. When they get out, and they're two girls, so, you know, is it different for females and males? Why is it different if they have the same education? You know, is it different for an African-American and they have the same education as a white person? Why? Why? I mean, it's, you know, the questions are out there, and everybody seems to say it's wrong, but no one seems to take the initiative to do what's right, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the first thing is, is you, gotta, you have to start the conversation, and we're doing that right now. Uh, we hope to continue. If you want to continue the conversation, you can hit me up at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. My co-host, my high Mario and Joseph Eries at Joseph Eries on Twitter to continue the conversation. That's the only way we can actually do this is competent, educate, educated conversation. Joseph, thank you for joining the program. You're welcome back anytime. You guys are great. Thank you for having me. And you guys starting this conversation is exactly where we need to go. And, and I hope more people take your lead. Thank you. Thank you. Mario, great stuff. Hey, we got to keep the conversation going. Secondary perspective, that is something that we always do. Uh, before I jump into some of the other topics, I have to tell you this. We were talking about the U early on and how other teams uh, started to put D and the in front of their team's name and see if they can, meaning as though they're bringing recognition to that team. I uh, talked to a good friend of mine, Judy Ann Intensio, out in Denver, Colorado, and she had this to say. She said that she went to the U, too. But it was followed by C L A as in U C L A. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little. Every, everybody wants to go to the university, and that's that's what perplexes me, Nick. And I was glad that you had brought this up because it's always it's one of those anomalies, you know. It's like the uh, the movie. Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. It's provocative. Gets the people going. So, so put in the uh, put in the U like or the in front of something. I, maybe it just makes people feel special about where they went to college, Nick. And and here's the thing: when, when is it that we see the players do it on a prime time stage? You know, a Monday night or Sunday night or Thursday night game when they introduce the offenses and defenses. So the school that these guys went to, whatever it might be, you know, I'm, I'm sure they got teammates. You know. Teammates from the past that maybe didn't make it to the NFL. And they're watching them saying, man, I used to I used to be in the locker right next to this guy. And now he's on here. And he's saying, I went to the North Dakota State. And, you know, his locker buddy's like, oh, man, I went to North Dakota State, too. And it's the only one. As if people would get confused, like, oh, there's a the North Dakota State. And then there's, oh, just this other North Dakota State. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. Listen, I, I want to play a little clip for you. Uh, I know a lot of athletes were speaking out about the topic that we just talked to Joseph Eries about, uh, the 
Eric Garner situation that a lot of players are wearing the I can't breathe shirt. Here, here's a little something from uh, LeBron James. That was a message to the family. Um, you know, that I'm sorry for their loss. Um, sorry, you know, to his wife. And, um, you know, that's what it's about. You know, I think everybody else get caught up in everything else besides who is really feeling it, and that's the family. Um, but like I said before, um, violence is not the answer, and retaliation is, isn't the solution. Um, and, uh, you know, as a society, we know we have to get better. Um, but it's not going to be done in one day. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Sorry for that breaking up in that audio. What LeBron James was saying is that uh, society is not perfect. Uh, we all have to do our part. We all have to uh, get involved. Rome wasn't built in a day, and he wanted to show his condolences to the family who lost a, a family, husband, brother, friend, and, and a father. And I applaud him and other athletes for doing that. I think we all need to get out more and try to change things. Uh, but that's, that's, what we, that's what we have to do. Man, it's have it's the golden rule, Nick. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. If you don't want to be treated a certain way, why the hell would you treat someone else that way? Just be a good person. It doesn't matter what you believe in, if anything. It doesn't matter who's your friend. Just be nice to people. You know what? Hey, that's a mouthful. That's all you have to do. You know, it, it just says, be, do unto others as you want others to do on to you. So don't go out and punch someone else in the face if you don't want to punch you in the face. How about not punching anyone at all? Put, put your hands to the side, shake hands, give hugs. Hey, listen, I, hey, I'm giving out free hugs if you want one. You I'll be right there. Yes, come and see me. You know, hit me up at Nick Ferguson underscore 25 or Nick Ferg show at Gmail. I'll come down to your job and start giving out hugs. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to thank Andy Burrell for joining the program, George Reister, and Joseph Eries, and I, and I hope and I implore everyone to go out to that youthforhumanrights.org website, learn your human rights so they are not violated. As always, my co-host, Mario Vitanzi, here at the Pavilion here on Los Angeles, California. My three amigos, appreciate it as always, my gang back in Phoenix until next week. We're gone. Secondary Perspective, Voice America Sports. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 